Today, we'll learn how childhood friends grew up to be business partners that help sellers not get cheated by their service partners. Hello, everybody. Welcome to the Serious Sellers Podcast by Helium 10. I am your host, Bradley Sutton, and this is the show that's a completely BS-free, unscripted, and unrehearsed organic conversation about serious strategies for serious sellers of any level in the e-commerce world world. And today, guys, I have got somebody from another part of the world. I've got Christina Mertens, who is, you are currently in in Germany, are you, Christina? Yeah, in Munich, in Germany. In Munich, Germany. Welcome to the show. Thank you for coming on. I know it's kind of late over there. I think 7 p.m. you said, right? Yeah, at 7. Um, Thank you so much for inviting me. I'm excited to do this. Awesome. Awesome. So I always like to start this because my philosophy is, and I like proving it, that It doesn't matter what somebody's cultural or educational background is. There's no two people that are same, but still somehow we can end up in the e-commerce world. So I like to start on what I call like your origin story. So did you grow up in Germany or where did you grow up? Uh, Yeah, I grew up here in uh, Munich. I just went to another city to study for a couple of years at university, but uh, I'm back again. And... um, our founder, Tobias, uh, who I'm working with together, he's also from Munich. And we actually met 10 years ago and uh, he just showed me the e-commerce side of living. Wait, 10 years ago? Yeah. I, I thought you ago. were like like 22 years old. <laughs> yeah, 23. I'm 23. So, so you met him when you were 13 years old and he showed you the e-commerce world when you were 13 years old? No, back then, like I met him and uh, he was around with uh, friends all the time, but we didn't really become friends back then. Um, we started becoming friends when I was 18 and he was 21, I think. But he started being self-employed pretty early in life and he was an Amazon seller for several years. So um, That's pretty cool. Childhood yeah, friends cool. become business partners in the future. Yeah, exactly. Okay. Yeah. Cause I was like, I was about to say, I was like, what, what do you mean 10 years ago? Like usually when somebody says 10 years ago, you know, I met my business partner, you know, that means maybe <laughs> they're about 20, but I was like, did I totally misjudge your age here? So I, I, I'm glad I, <laughs> I, I'm glad I wasn't totally off now. So you guys met when you were younger. Now let's go back to that, that time. Like when you were a teenager, when you were 13, 14, 15, 16, were you one of those who already kind of had maybe an entrepreneurial mindset? Like, are you the kind of person who was you're in Germany? I don't know, selling your mom's Wiener schnitzel on the corner, or I, I don't know how that works, but something like that or what? For me, that was not the case. Um, my family is pretty traditional. They wanted me to uh, get my A-levels, then go to university. Do get, my your, get your what? I'm sorry. My A-levels, I think that's the English word. I don't know what that means. Graduating from high school. Ah, okay. And then go to university, get my bachelor's, get my master's, then get like what they call a normal job. Mm -hmm. So um, this is what what I was doing until two years ago. What were you studying? So so you you went to university, I'm assuming it's similar to the United States where once you enter university, you kind of have a, like a, a major or a concentration, right? So what was your major? Um, so I studied global business management and, uh, marketing and communication was my major. Okay. So did you have a goal or were you just like, let me learn about this and see where it takes me? Or did you already have kind of like a career goal? Uh, I wanted to be a consultant when I was younger. Like when I started out at university, um, 
I had a lot of friends who just started working in consulting and just earned so much money. So I was like, oh yeah, I'm going to do that too. But uh, by now for me, it's more important to really have passion for what you're doing. And then you wake up with a purpose instead of uh, working 70, 80 hours a week for a consulting firm, like one of the big four, for example, and going home with a huge salary that you can't really enjoy spending. So yeah. That changed. Okay. So then I'm assuming you did not finish your degree, right? I did actually. So when what? we started Simono, how long does it take? How long does it take to get a degree in Germany? Uh, three and a half years. Oh, okay. So it was already You're confusing through. me, Christina. Like, so <laughs> you, you, I thought you like stopped after two years or something you were saying. No, two years ago, I, um, I started like getting thought in the e-commerce industry and sort of playing with the thought of being self-employed. And this is what I did then. So I did this sort of, uh, parallel, I was okay. doing my university studies and became okay. self-employed like at the same time. Okay. So now, so you actually did finish your, um, bachelor's. your bachelor's degree. Okay. So, so, okay. Uh, I, I was just off on, on the timeline. Like I told you, this is BS free. So like, if you're going to like lie about your things, I found you, I'm not saying you're lying, but I was just like, <laughs> Hey, my, my, my listeners are going to be like, wait a minute, something sounds fishy with this timeline here. So I'm glad I, I cleared that <laughs> no, up. No. All right. So now you never yourself were an e-commerce seller per se. Like you didn't sell on Amazon or other things in Europe, correct? No, I just helped Tobias out like uh, packing parcels and stuff like that when he had his Amazon business. Okay. So then now Tobias was like, you know, your, your old childhood friend uh, that you had been helping with his Amazon business was like, Hey, you know, I've, I've got this other idea for something that can, you know, kind of, it's kind of like a, a, a service that can help other sellers. So what attracted you to this idea of, of connecting sellers, which is kind of like what you do now? Um, I just like the thought of solving a problem. When Toby was still selling on Amazon, he lost so much money because he hired the wrong people. For example, one time he was contracting a fulfillment center here in Germany and they promised him like, yeah, yeah, we will send your, your products within two or three days maximum. And then it took them four weeks like he lost, he, he didn't have inventory anymore. So he lost rankings, his seller performance went down. It was pretty bad for him. He was a young entrepreneur and he was really struggling. And for me, it was hard to watch because he was one of my best friends. So when he came up with the idea of Sermondo was like, hey, I got my recommendation in some random Facebook group and I just uh, realized that the guy is the owner of the fulfillment center and basically recommended himself, which a mm -hmm. lot of people do on those Facebook groups. And now I lost so much money. There has to be a better way of finding service providers for your Amazon business. That's how he came up with the idea. And he told me about it. And I was like, okay, you know what? Let's do it. Oh, that, that sounds because good. Because this is something that happens to, to hundreds of sellers worldwide. Yeah, it's not just people trying to promote their own brands or, or like sometimes it's a company who tries to pretend that they're recommending another company and it has a different name and everything. 
but yeah. it's really the same owner, you know, like uh, that happens so much. And I guarantee most of the people don't even realize that, Hey, that guy is just promoting another branch of his own business or yeah. it's affiliate, you know, affiliates yeah. just saying, Oh yeah, this is great. Now again, Hey, helium 10 has tons of affiliates. We have, you know, people promoting us and, but we try and make sure that they're very highly educated with what they're promoting and not just trying to get, we're pretty good at trying to make sure that there's not people just trying to get a, you know, a paycheck. But the thing is that that's not the case out there. There's a lot of people who are just like, Hey, I'm going to become an affiliate. I don't even know what this company does or even if they're legitimate, but I'm going to promote them. And so that's interesting. So the reason why, you know, I, I wanted to invite you on here is because uh, I, I believe you are one of the few people in the world who really has an extensive experience with, with touching different companies in all kinds of different categories and having sellers in your network of all kinds of, of backgrounds and all kinds of, you know, all different countries. So you have some unique insights into some of the struggles that, that many sellers make. So just right off the top of my head, I don't have notes here. I'm, I'm just trying to think what, what comes to my head, but since you deal with sellers in Europe, you deal with sellers in South America, you deal with sellers in the United States and Asia, are there differences as far as what the common, most common problems are? Like, for example, a seller in Europe opposed to a seller in the United States. Like in my mind, I'm thinking maybe one of the top ones for American seller is trying to understand VAT in Europe, but a European seller, obviously they're experts in VAT, so they don't. But what are the differences and similarities by region of seller, would you say that you've seen in your experience? I think it's funny that you mentioned that um, because I was just talking to Tobias about that last week. It's really amazing how sellers can be wherever in the world and face the same problems. Like one of the main problems is Amazon suspensions. So accounts get suspended or listing gets suspended. The terms of service um, differ a little from, from country to country, but this is something that happens on a daily basis, no matter where the sellers are located in the world. And this is also one of our most demanded services on Sermondo is uh, reinstatement experts. And another thing is problems with logistics. Um, I mean, most European sellers, it doesn't matter if they're located in Germany or in the UK or in Spain, most of them source from Asia, right? Like mm -hmm. US sellers do the same. And a lot of people, a lot of sellers struggle with understanding how logistics processes work. And then they fall for like random freight forwarders or logistic firms that were recommended to them on either Google or by friends or, um, or on Facebook. And then like their parcels are like two or three weeks late or they get scammed. Like they, they pay the money, the freight forwarder, and then he just disappears. So this is something that I read and I deal with most of the times, Amazon suspensions and problems with logistics. Okay. So let, let's talk about that for a second. So when, when people come to you, a lot of the times it's probably because they've already made a mistake. Like they don't just start their business. Hey, I'm going to use you guys to put me in the right direction. Usually they think they can do it on their own and then they fight, make a huge mistake. And now that's why they come to you. So I'm assuming when they do come to you, they maybe tell you their story, like some bad thing that happened to them. So what are some common mistakes that you've heard or some common horror stories of speaking of logistics and shipping that sellers are making that, you know, maybe you can warn some of our listeners about so they don't make those same mistakes. 
Um, I think the most common problem is that they don't vet the companies enough they're working with. Um, I mean, it's super hard if you're dealing with a company that's somewhere in China and you're in the US or somewhere in Europe and you don't maybe have the time or the money to to go there and uh, visit factories yourself or talk to freight forwarders yourself that are located there. Um, so, of course, they go to the Internet and try to find a good company. But a lot of times they don't realize that there are super many fake websites on there, or as I said before, people recommending themselves. They don't really um, check if the information is legit. They don't check if phone numbers work, if the address is right, if, um, if they can reach someone. Like they just go there, get a quote and book something with a freight forwarder, for example, or with a fulfillment center in another country without ever speaking to them. And this is how most scams happen, actually. That's why I always recommend before you contract someone, and it doesn't matter if it's logistics or marketing or whatever, especially when it's in another country, you should always get on a call with them. Best would be video because you can see how the other person reacts to, to what you're saying, to your questions. Are they trying to avoid your questions? Are there, do you have a just bad feeling of talking to them or do you think they're legit? So this is something, this is a big step that a lot of sellers just skip and they trust firms overseas with like, I don't know, tens of thousands of dollars of their products. And then they um, give their products to them or the money to them. And then the freight for water is gone. They can never reach them again. And that, that's a good point that you, I mean, like now that you say it, it's kind of a no brainer, but I never even thought about that. Hey, how about making sure that it's a real company? If, if find their phone number, call them, make sure they're real. Instead of, you know, sometimes we get so obsessed with trying to do everything online but if you think about it, anybody can just make any random website or website or anything and yeah. you're not going to know if it's real. So that's that's a good point. Anything else as far as shipping and logistics go that you could advise our listeners? Oh, yeah. I think uh, one of the most common mistakes is that a lot of sellers underestimate themselves and then don't ship enough inventory to Amazon. And then they run a PPC campaign, for example. And it's going really well, which is good. Speaks for your PPC skills. But uh, people are buying so fast that you're running out of inventory, which hurts your sales, which hurts your revenue, which hurts your seller performance, and so on. So regarding logistics, this is also a common problem that I read about. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, that's, that's a good problem to have, but at the same time, it could take a little bit better planning. Now, outside of the shipping, inventory, logistics, what would you say is another major thing that you are seeing sellers worldwide struggle with? I mean, in my mind, I would think maybe product photography, I don't know, or maybe tax compliance. You would know better than me. So, so what would you say is maybe the second biggest thing that people struggle with? Compliance is a good word. Not only compliance with like uh, Amazon's regulations, but also with local laws. Um, it's super lucrative to sell in other markets as well. For example, if you're an OS seller and you want to sell in Germany, I mean, it's a huge market. I think it's the second biggest. So um, it's really lucrative. People love to buy stuff here. So if you want to go for it, go for it. But Germany, for example, is one of the countries we have so many laws and regulations and the tax system here in Europe, like within the EU, 
is insane. And a lot of people treat their Amazon business not like a real business, but more like a, I love the term, like side hustle or side business. And it can be a Mm -hmm. side business. You can have a nine to five and an Amazon business, but you should treat it like any other business in the world, like the tax authorities here in the here in Germany or in the EU won't say like, oh, it's just a side hustle. So whatever. It doesn't matter that you were not tax compliant. No, they will come to you and you will have to pay so many fees. You will be buried in, in fees and um, other money that you have to pay for them that um, sometimes people go bankrupt. So compliance is something that a lot of Amazon sellers, in my opinion, take too lightly. What are some of the things, for example, I would say the great majority, I know we have listeners all over the world. I was just talking to somebody for some, for whatever reason, we're the number one business podcast in Oh, what country was it? Uh, Belarus. So like, oh, you know, really? I, I know we have, we have, <laughs> I, I don't know why, but I know we have foreign listeners, but for the U S seller, what are the requirements to sell in Europe? I know VAT is important. You know, it's not just, Oh, VAT has to do if you're a European citizen, but if somebody has a successful U S business, now they want to start selling in Europe. What is a rough checklist of the things they need to get set up before they can start selling in Europe? Um, They should definitely check if their products are compliant with safety laws here. Um, In the EU, Mm. we're very strict about it. Um, Then there are further regulations which uh, differ from country to country. For example, in Germany, there's a new packaging law. I mean, now it's not new anymore. Now it's been there for 10 months, but a lot of Amazon sellers didn't know that this was coming. You had to license your packaging. It's for ecological reasons um, and pay a fee for, for your packaging. And a lot of sellers didn't register. And then you just have to pay so many fines just because you don't know, but you have to know if you, if you come here, you have to know. How how do they know though? Like how does somebody Find that information out. Um, so we try to educate people. So when something like this comes out, it uh, goes on our blog. But like in general, if you're not listening closely to, to I don't know, law blogs, for example, here in Germany, you wouldn't have known that. You wouldn't have known that. So mm. a lot of laws just get passed, but uh, the information about it is always very little. But yeah, check check if your okay. product is compliant. Um Register with VAT, uh, see that you don't hurt any trademarks here. Um, be sure that your imprint is right. This is also something, there's a real business model here, at least in Germany. What, what's imprint um, mean? Like the imprint where you put uh, all of your information, business information, etc. that everything is compliant. It's a real, it's a real uh, business model uh-huh. here um, for people to send cease and desist letters to sellers that are not compliant or have their own website and something that is wrong with, uh, with their terms of service, et cetera. Um, and then you have to pay lots of money. So, okay. Now what about the opposite way? What is one of the biggest mistakes or something that maybe a European seller, you know, they start selling in Germany, they, they, they know all their VAT, they know that they're packaging, they know their business imprint and stuff. A lot of them don't. Actually. Yeah. Well, let's just say they do. Let's just say somebody is, a, a, a has, is crushing it in the European market. Now they want to go to the United States. So 
what have you seen as common mistakes that the European sellers are not doing correctly when they start to expand to U.S. market? Not registering a trademark. A lot of people think that if they register once in their home country or whatever, it's just um, it's just done and it's international. But there are different different offices for that. So if you go to the U.S., check if your trademark is protected there as well. Um, one of the most common things I see uh, I've seen are problems with hijackers on listings, and um, if you have your own brand, your own trademark. You, you can go get into the brand program of Amazon and just make sure you don't suffer from that so much. You can get hijackers um, off your listing faster. Um, make sure you always have some money extra. Um, a lot of Amazon sellers have like their budget and they plan every cent of their budget for certain tasks or certain service providers. But especially when you expand to other countries, it can happen that some extra fees incur or some some taxes that you didn't think of or whatever. So always make sure you have a little extra money uh, that you could spend for something like that, uh, for something like this. Um, use local services. Oh God, this is one of the most common mistakes. People use the listings that they use in their, in their home market and just translate <laughs> their mm -hmm. descriptions and their keywords and think this is going to work in the U.S. as well, for example. Yeah, I, and vi vice versa too. I, I think I see people, Americans, doing that, and it's just not, you know, Google Translate is not exactly what you should be using. Even even professionally translated is not always the best because if it's just, even if it's an accurate translation, you know, the words that people use in other countries are, are different. Yeah, you know, like, like how, how many times have I stopped you today? Because you're, you're using some terminology that it's English, <laughs> yeah. you know, I mean, you're, you're doing proper English, but I have no idea what a A level or whatever the heck <laughs> you, you said, you said was. And, and so that, that's the thing. Like if we're just doing direct translations, it's still uh, lost in translation, you know, as they say. So that, that's a very good, that's a very good tip as well. Now, what would you say is something that, that can maybe help people as far as the more difficult markets. I mean, I think the most common thing that people do as far as expanding marketplaces is what we've been talking about, which is USA now expanding to Europe or vice versa, Europe now expanding to USA. But I'm sure you've talked to sellers who are branching out to some of these newer marketplaces like Turkey or UAE or one of the established ones, but that is just so different such as Japan. So what is some advice that you can, that you have, you know, based on your experience about helping connect sellers with trying to get set up in these not so common marketplaces? Um, as I said before, the most important part is uh, really working either with uh, local agencies and local companies there because they know the market, they know the search behavior, they know what works and what's, what doesn't work. Or you really try to get help from from a local company, for example, a U.S. company that is specialized in trade with, I don't know, Japan or Turkey or whatever. And don't try to do everything on your own and don't try to understand everything from your own. Um, going to other markets is risky. It can be very rewarding, but don't try to manage all of that yourself. So go to okay. local SEO companies local PPC companies and uh, try to get like your foot in the door 
and then you'll be set. All right. Now, obviously in the United States, Amazon is number one, as far as online marketplaces goes, you know, you've got Walmart, you know, et cetera. But for example, I know like in Netherlands, you know, there's some website that's has more of an e-commerce stronghold than Amazon. What are maybe some top five marketplaces in all of Europe just for that you can recommend? It doesn't have to be exactly the top five, you know, in gross sales, but what are some other marketplaces that somebody, he, hey, now they're established on Amazon in Europe, but maybe they want to expand to these other online marketplaces. Which ones should some sellers consider? Um, eBay is pretty big as well here. I think in the U S too, right next to, next to Walmart, mm -hmm. um, Etsy. And what a lot of people do is just setting up their own online shop to, to not be dependent on, on selling on marketplaces. Okay. Any other local ones, like maybe one just for Germany or one just for another country where it's like, like, for example, I'll give you an example, like Amazon has been around in Mexico for a while now, but still like by far the number one is this one called Mercado Libre, uh, which is, has way more of a market share. But are there any ones that like in, in your, in your country, in Germany, is there one that's a lot of people still use instead of Amazon? I would say in Germany, it's, uh, it's really eBay. eBay, really? Even, yeah. even so like, even for private label, like, like nowadays, I think in America, people mainly use eBay for a lot of collectibles or used products or resold. Uh, they still sell some private label, but, but in, in, in Germany, are private label sellers having success selling on eBay? Um, yes, they do. Okay. And so I would assume that it's similar to America. You have to fulfill it yourself or you'd be using a fulfillment company or are there people using Amazon to fulfill eBay orders in Germany? There are also people using Amazon to fulfill their eBay orders. Interesting. All right. So now what, what is, um, something strange, you know, obviously again, you, you deal with probably more than a hundred, 200, I don't know how many different service providers there. What is something that you didn't even know was a thing or like you didn't even know was a service that was necessary. And, and now you're, you're, you're driving sellers to them because it's something that people need. Like, I don't know. I, I can't even think of, a, of, of an example right now. I mean, maybe one of the examples that you talked about would, would be like a packaging compliance company. Like, like <laughs> yeah. I, I wouldn't have known that's a thing, but what are a couple of interesting service providers? I mean, you don't, don't mention their name. You don't have to mention their name or anything because I don't want to seem like we're, you know, we're sponsoring them when I don't <laughs> even know what they do, but just say what they do, like something that you didn't even know was a thing before. So when I started out uh, working on the Sermondo project, Basically, every service was to me like, oh, you could really need that. Someone who just designed, there are people who are specialized in just designing infographics, for example. I was like, huh, do you really need that? And then you start paying attention when you shop on Amazon and you're like, okay, basically every good listing has uh, an infographic on it. Mm -hmm. But uh, yeah, packaging design compliant, like packaging compliance. I mean, this is, these are all subcategories from like the bigger so, ones. So there is actually a packaging. <laughs> I was just making a joke. There is a packaging compliance we actually, specialist. I, you said I shouldn't mention names, so I won't, but we actually have a company listed on our side that is specialized in doing just that. <laughs> okay. I was just making a joke, but I guess that's a <laughs> thing too. Any, any, anything else? So yeah, something weird like that. So yeah, we actually have services uh, that specialize in packaging compliance for example mm. which is a pretty okay, that's crazy pr pretty big thing uh in germany um 
we have really good graphic designers who do 3D rendering, which is uh, a specialty. And a lot of people don't know when they go on Amazon and they look at a, at a listing that some of the images aren't really real, but it's just 3D renders made by people who do this for a living. Um, I didn't mm -hmm. know this was a thing before we started Simono, but apparently it is. Yep, yep, <laughs> um, yep. We have people that flip Amazon businesses, so they buy and sell Amazon businesses. Um, that's very important. That's, some, that's something I haven't had. It's something I've wanted. I've wanted to have a specialist. Specialist. I can't even speak English. <laughs> a specialist come on here and, you know, who does that. But that, that's something that maybe two years ago, nobody even knew existed, but there are multiple. That's a good one. There's multiple people who all they do is they want to buy Amazon businesses and, and build them up. Anything else? Uh, yes, we also have uh, lawyers that specialize in, in product compli safety compliance. Uh, like I said before, like in the EU, it's super hard to meet all the guidelines. And uh, for example, if you sell electronics here, you have to be really, really careful that uh, your quality inspection does a good job. Because if you start selling Uh, products here, for example, drones, and they're not compliant with the law, then you you will have pretty big issues. And there are only like eight or nine lawyers like throughout Germany who are specialized in that. Uh, we have okay. them on our site. All right. So that, that, that's, that's interesting. I mean, I'm positive that, you know, of course there's sellers out there who, who know that they need these things, but, but there are some newer ones out there who might not have even known that these, some of these things existed, like, like 3d renderings, you know, people think of product photography, but they, like you said, they don't even realize that a lot of the stuff that you see on Amazon, the pictures, it's not even real pictures. They're, they're, they're 3d renderings. And that, that might be something that somebody should consider depending on the kind of product instead of just a photography. So, yeah. And it's awesome because you don't have to ship your product like all around the world for some people, true. like, Uh, some I call them artists <laughs> they only require you to send them as many pictures as you can from your product and they will just do the rest and you don't have to pay any shipping fees or be scared that they will steal your sample or whatever so that's pretty okay. cool Well, anyways, Christina, thank you very much for coming on the show with us and, and teaching us a little bit about kind of like what's out there and, and the importance of trying to make sure that you're connecting with the right service companies, because this is a big problem that many sellers face. Now, I, I do this little feature at the end of the episodes. Usually I call it which is spelled T-S-T. -T. That's, that's kind of the, mm -hmm. the way my mom used to call me when I was little. But basically that stands for 30 second tip. So what I want you to do is, you know, it's not something maybe that we've talked about yet today, but what, just think really quick of a 30 second tip that you have for sellers. That's either maybe a common mistake that people make or, or something that's really cool that you found that just in, in your network, you, you talk to a seller and they told you they're doing this and you're like, Whoa, that's pretty amazing. So in 30 seconds or less, what is Christina's for us? My tip is invest in perfect listings. Your conversion rate is going to suck. If you're listing doesn't look great. I've seen this hundreds of times, people running PPC campaigns and have really low conversion because the listing doesn't look good. And if you can't do it yourself, then go get an expert, go get someone from outside who takes professional pictures, who writes nice copy and will bring your listing up in the rankings. 
All right. So in other words, don't go cheap. Don't go like, cheap. Try and save money on your product, maybe a little bit, you know, on your shipping, make sure that you have economical, but don't go cheap on your listing. Yeah. All right, cool. Well, Christina, thank you very much. When I'm in Munich, I hope that you can take me to some good Wienerschnitzel places. <laughs> well, uh, definitely over there, you and, you and Tobias, I'm going to make sure that you guys do that. And uh, if people want to go check out some of these services that, that you guys have vetted and they're looking you know, to, for 3D rendering or package <laughs> compl- compliance specialists, what's, uh, can you spell your website out so people can find it? It's S-E-R-M-O-N-D-O.com, Ceremondo.com. You can also, if you're right. too lazy to find service providers by yourself, you can also fill out a job listing where you just say what you're looking for, type in your requirements, and we will match the service providers for you. Cool. All right, Christina, thank you very much for joining us and we'll see you later. Quick note, guys, don't forget that regardless where you are listening to this podcast, whether it's on your iPhone or on Stitcher or on Spotify, that you hit the subscribe button so that you can be notified every time we drop a new episode. 